Hey guys, just a little editor's note. Um, I noticed in the last like five minutes of the show, my microphone got really weird. I don't know what happened. Um, it's a little screechy at some parts, so just be aware of that. Uh, and I'm sorry. Hopefully that does not happen in next week's episode. Thanks, guys. Hello everyone, my name is Celeste and you're listening to Astrofic, the podcast where we apply astrology to our favorite fictional characters to figure out why they're like that. But first, let me explain how this works and who I am. I'm Celeste and I'm a diviner. I read tarot and I've been studying astrology off and on for about five years now, although astrology has always been present in my life. Within the past couple of years, I began practicing the art of reading birth charts, and this podcast is just another tool for me to apply and familiarize myself with all that I've learned, and I hope that you'll learn something too. For this podcast, I use the whole sign house system because it's simpler than other house systems, and I'm still getting a grasp on the houses and what they really truly represent in terms of human life. When it comes to what birth date I use for the characters, I will use canon birth dates if they exist, just to make it more challenging for me to make it work with the characterization in the media. But before we get started, let's go ahead and take Take a little break for our advertisements. In this, our second episode, we'll be using astrology on a fan-favorite cartoon boy, Fire Prince or Fire Lord, Zuko of Avatar The Last Airbender. Also, since this may be a popular episode just because of who it's about, I wanted to say that you really don't need to know the source material to get this podcast. The idea is that I should be able to explain a birth chart and reference their life in fiction, and it still makes sense because astrology can be applied to almost anything. Anyways, this was a really fun episode for me because unlike the first character, Zuko has no canon birthday that I could find. I didn't go so far as to pick a specific date for him, but I did pick everything else in his chart according to the rules of astrology and astronomy. In my research, I saw a lot of people online saying Zuko is a Leo, and I'm sorry, but I absolutely have to disagree. I don't really believe that Zuko is a sun-ruled person in his birth chart the same way he is as a firebender. In fact, I think it's closer to the opposite. Considering two of my little brothers are cancers, I dated one for two years, and one of my best friends is a cancer man. I think I know cancer men, and Zuko is a cancer man. But if you disagree, don't turn me off yet. Let me defend myself, listen to the rest of his chart, and then decide if I'm a sham or not. Zuko is emotional and dramatic. The fandom is constantly making fun of him for it. Leos don't tend to be emo, but cancers? Cancers absolutely do. Now, some of you may be going, but Celeste, Zuko is crazy and aggressive. And I hear you. But for those of you who have seen anything about Euphoria's character Cassie, you can see how people with cancer placements can be absolutely off the wall insane. 
But the kicker for cancers is that they're not just fine and then randomly snap one day. They are constantly belittled and picked on for the ways that they express their emotions so earnestly until one day they're tired of being bullied. Then they want to get revenge for everything they were put through. They want the pain they experienced to be worth it in the end, to have provided them with something they didn't or couldn't have. For Zuko, we see that he wanted his father's approval and his rightful claim to the Fire Kingdom. In the end, he only gets one of those things. But before we get too deep into that, let's establish the rest of his big three. Once again, his sun sign is in Cancer. His moon sign is in Virgo. He is generally emotionally avoidant. Until Iroh appeals to him in a way that he resonates with, Zuko is pretty combative towards his inner feelings, but he wasn't always that way. That's just how his dad raised him to be. When Zuko's mom was still around, we saw that he was a shy and gentle child. He seemed to experience and express his emotions in a developmentally appropriate way. Zuko's moon sign is also holding a lot of weight and pressure because it's the only personal placement in an earth sign. He does have an outer planet in an earth sign, though. Now, his rising sign was actually a difficult placement for me to decide. I was torn between having him be a Cancer rising and a Scorpio rising. In the end, I felt he didn't embody enough Virgo energy to be a Cancer rising, so I decided that Zuko is a Scorpio rising. A Cancer rising wouldn't run around masked at night, but a Scorpio would. Masked vigilantes as a concept is very Scorpio. And since he's a Scorpio rising, that means his Mars and Pluto are his co-rulers. This is because in traditional astrology, they hadn't discovered Pluto yet, so Mars ruled Aries and Scorpio. But in modern astrology, Scorpio is ruled by Pluto, no matter what the scientists claim about Pluto not being a planet. Knowing this, I want you to think about what his Mars sign could be and take a guess. We'll see if your guess is right in a little while. I would have you guess his Pluto sign too, but since Pluto is a generational planet, I feel like there's way too many factors to consider for that to be fun. I mean, I didn't really have fun trying to figure it out for Zuko, so keep your Mars sign guess in your head and keep listening to hear that in his Pluto sign. To explain his first house a little bit more, Zuko's character is ever-evolving. Scorpio is the sign of transformation. In tarot, it's represented by the card Death. This really works with Zuko's redemption arc because he literally just popped up to the gang like, hey, my name is Zuko, but I'm totally different now, don't worry. And almost everyone just rolled with it? <laughs> Zuko is someone that is constantly evolving, and that's that Scorpio, baby. He doesn't have any other placements in his Scorpio first house, though, so we're gonna keep it moving. He doesn't have any placements in his second or third house either. They're in Sagittarius and Capricorn, respectively, though. I didn't really spend time on empty houses in the last episode, so I'll do the same here, but if you guys want me to make a part two, let me know. Moving right into his fourth house of family, origins, and roots. It is in Aquarius. Typically, the fourth house represents the mother, but general family is also one of its meanings, and I think Zuko's father, Fire Lord Ozai, has a lot of Aquarian energy. And unfortunately for Zuko, there's hardly any part of his childhood that hasn't been tainted by Ozai. I've also given Zuko two placements here. One is Neptune. This is a generational planet, so his peers would have the same Neptune, but theirs would probably be in different houses. Neptune in the fourth house adds delusion to what it rules. It's no wonder Zuko went on this supposed quest for his father 
other and truly believed in it, he had Neptune's rose-colored glasses on. Neptune also serves to expand the fond memories, not just the bad ones. Now, the other placement Zuko has in his fourth house is his Kiran, the asteroid that represents a deep, deep wound stemming from childhood. The wound that doesn't hurt you, but rather enables you to prevent others from feeling the same way. I think it's pretty self-explanatory why it's in the fourth house, and with Neptune present, the energy of Kiran is expanded and manipulated to fit whatever narrative Zuko is subconsciously weaving. I think that might be why Zuko's wound is not only figuratively represented in his birth chart through Kiran, but literally represented through his scar. Did you think I wasn't going to bring that up? We're in the fourth house talking about Kiran, right where that event in Zuko's life belongs. I'm leaving it at that though, because Zuko has much more interesting life events we need to talk about. His fifth house in Pisces would be empty if it wasn't for another dark spot in his birth chart. Lilith. I feel that all of the darkest parts of Zuko stem from his childhood, which is an aspect the fifth house rules over. Lilith brings out the darker parts of Pisces. It's manipulative and often lost in fantasy. The lack of grounding with this water sign indicates anxiety and paranoia. Pisces is usually a very spiritual sign, but it can also manifest as the opposite, which I think is appropriate for Zuko. He has a complete and utter lack of regard towards the spirit world and anything associated with it until, um, until a while after. After he joins up with the gang. And even then, he's mostly just connected to dragons, if I recall correctly. They're not really part of the spirit world, but they're non-human, so it kind of counts. His next house, the sixth house in Aries, also only has one placement, his Uranus, another generational planet. I've put it in the sixth house of daily life because I feel that Zuko's daily life and habits tends to change rather abruptly and with great vigor. It seems that Zuko's life almost follows his daily routine. He's kind of insufferable when he doesn't know what he's doing or what he's aiming for, but once he figures that out, he dives in feet first. And it's only with his daily routines could he fully commit to and complete an inner change. He wouldn't have ever been on the Avatar's side if he didn't spend every single day with them. And when I say that, I mean that if he didn't commit to changing the entire structure of his life to train the Avatar in firebending, he could have very easily slid backwards into the Fire Nation propaganda that was ground into his DNA from childhood. That house got away from me for a bit. I just find it so interesting because the idea of daily life is not something that I grasp easily. I'm a big picture person and working at something every damn day is not something I'm good at. Like this podcast. There's something I could be doing for it every day and I'm just not very good at deciding what to do for it when. And sometimes I'd really rather just be playing The Sims 4 or like Papa's Cheeseria. We're halfway through the chart, but not even halfway through all of Zuko's placements yet. You are all going to die when you realize what sign a good chunk of his placements are in. And I'm sure by now you have a couple guesses. <laughs> Anyways, we're in the seventh house of relationships and long-term commitments. This is directly opposite his ascendant and is where his descendant would be, but I don't know jack about descendants. I just know they exist. I ended up putting Zuko's Saturn in this house, which happens to be in Taurus. I feel like in all of these beginning episodes, I'm just going to end up giving each of the characters one of my placements without thinking. I mean, in the first episode, I did think about it and loved it anyway, but I didn't realize I gave Zuko my Saturn until now. Mine is in a different house, though. So having an intimate relationship with Taurus and Saturn, I know that it's really not the worst Saturn placement. It definitely has its great moments. When it's time to get down to business, I know when to do so and can do so easily. 
But the trade-off is that you just won't have the inclination to do the same in one specific way. So that's the challenge as the bearer of a bull Saturn, I guess. For Zuko, we see that he struggles holding long-term relationships. He just forms what he considers to be lifelong bonds and then assumes the other person feels the same way and then goes off and does his own thing. Like, what? No communication, nothing, just I'll love you till the day that I die and then I'm off to destroy the Avatar or whatever. I don't remember exactly what he said to Mae before leaving, but I just recall her not being too thrilled with the way he decided to tell her. Anyways, Taurus and Saturn, it's a lot. <laughs> Alright, we're in the super fun 8th house of death, rebirth, transformation, and shared resources! If you know the Order of the Zodiac and the last house was Taurus, then you know that this house is in the sign Gemini. That's right, we're talking a bit about the overshamed mutable air sign. Now listen, I'm a Scorpio. There are no two signs hated more than Gemini and Scorpio. People misunderstand us, but I get you, Gemini. You're not two-faced, you just know when to be whichever version of yourself you've conjured up. People always say you're an airhead, and you are, but not as much as people think. You've just learned how to use it to your advantage. Okay, I'll stop spilling all of Gemini's secrets now and just tell you what planet is here for Zuko. It's Venus. Gods, it's only my second episode and I feel like this is the most controversial birth chart I could have ever come up with. I told you to bear with me through the end of the episode, so don't die out on me now. It's not like Zuko is the most consistent lover, and any of you out there thinking that are just delusional. He was literally like, I'm gonna go to the Avatar twice, and May was expected to be chill with it. Usually, Gemini Venus isn't very committed, but having it in the 8th house could change that slightly. With the 8th house, there's a minor obsession. It's very much a we are perfect for each other and now I can stop pursuing romantic relationships and just do the other stuff that I want. There is an inherent knowledge that he's not good at these kinds of things, so when he found his exact romantic vibe with May, he just assumed everything was good and she'd support him through everything. And, I mean, she did. <laughs> That's the 8th house influence filtered through a benefic planet like Venus. Venus is trying really hard to be flighty and witty and gorgeous because it's in Gemini and the 8th house is just dragging her down, slapping Zuko with obstacles because he misunderstood the situation left and right. Okay, if you think the other houses have been a doozy, just get ready for the ninth house because it is in the sign Cancer and I already went on a rant about Zuko being such a Cancer man. He's such a cancer in the best way, though. The ninth house is in the house of the world, basically. It rules over one's worldviews, perspective, philosophy, higher education, religions, long-distance travel, all kinds of fun things. And Zuko has a lot of planets in this house and sign. Just going down the list, he has his sun, Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter. I said he was a Cancer man and I meant it. The way Kusuo is your Aquarian archetype, Zuko is the Cancer archetype. Cancer is such a watery, lovey-dovey, nurturing water sign. And it's a cardinal sign, so when it commits, it's about to get shit done, usually. However, this energy does not vibe well with Mars at all. Like, Mars is in fall in Cancer because it's squared Aries. So unless you know how to work with these combating energies, it can be difficult for someone with this placement to get things done, especially their higher purpose or destiny in life. 
And with all these placements in the ninth house, it's clear that there's a huge worldly impact. Even with the planet of war in this house, with such a great hold on Zuko, he never really participates in the war on the Fire Nation's side. Not that we see, anyways. Mostly he's been exiled and is hitching rides on Fire Nation warships in search of the Avatar. I bet there was a lot of gossip about him in the naval forces. It's not until Zuko is on the Avatar's side that he really makes strides and takes action. This is because with the Avatar, he actually feels fulfilled and good about his choices. When he was just trying to appease his father, it didn't sit right with him. That's how Mars and Cancer works. Your actions have to be on par with your inner feelings or it'll be like pulling teeth. That's just one planet though. Now we have to add the other two planets and one luminary, the sun. So let's talk about Mercury next, the planet of thinking and communication. Typically, this planet wants to have a mind clear of judgment, one that can just go and doesn't need to stop for anything. For this reason, it doesn't really like water signs that tend to murk it up and hold it back. But with a Mercury in Cancer, Zuko is very emotionally driven. Like I said with his Mars, his actions and decisions need to be settled with his inner feelings for him to really go through with them. I believe that Zuko was just that incompetent at the beginning when he was trying to capture the Avatar, but I also think that as time went on, the feeling of this isn't right was too big to ignore and he stopped trying as hard. With water sign Mercury's, we often have the idea to make a certain decision before we really know what's going to happen. We just feel it out and if it feels right then we do it. Now you'd think that as a Cancer Mercury, Zuko would have more tact in his communication. But with an empty third house in Capricorn, there's nothing balancing his water Mercury and keeping him from putting his foot in his mouth. Which he does frequently. Before I get too carried away again, let's talk about the last planet in his ninth house, Jupiter. The planet of expansion with a Midas touch and one of my personal favorite planets to talk about. Jupiter is considered to be the major benefic while Venus is the lesser benefic, hence Jupiter's description of having a Midas touch. However, you've got to give a little to get a lot, as everything comes with a price. Jupiter's price in Cancer is for the bearer to live life according to their inner feelings, staying true to yourself while maintaining boundaries. When Zuko is with the Fire Nation, that description couldn't be farther from the truth. He was bottling up his emotions and thoughts and he was suffering because of it, till one day he popped and changed sides and then life began to expand. Even when he was hiding in the Earth Kingdom, things went wrong because he was still running from his life, his history, and his destiny. All the things that he was running from had some relation to the ninth house, and because he wasn't embracing that part of Jupiter's deal, his quaint life was only temporary because it's not what he was meant for. One of the reasons I like Jupiter is because I can summarize its effects really well, so we can move right on to the last placement in Cancer Ninth House, the Sun. We covered what it's like a little bit, so let's talk about the sun in the ninth house and its influence on the other planets present. Oh, yeah, and Zuko has what is called a stellium. This is when someone has three or more planets in the same sign. For Zuko, those planets are Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter in Cancer. He also has the sun added into that mix, which technically doesn't count towards the stellium, neither does the moon. Zuko's sun shines a really bright light on this side of Zuko. He was never able to hide his emotional nature from his father, and he was never meant to. He cares for others, and that shouldn't have been a bad thing. But it was to the Fire Nation, which is why he had to leave and why he couldn't be himself until he left. His mind and everything was connected to something higher than his father and his father's father, which is why he got dragons and they didn't. 
His 10th house, like his second house and third house, is completely empty. It's in Leo, but we're just gonna skip over it because he's literally the Fire Lord and one of the benders who trained the Avatar after they disappeared for 100 years. So of course his 10th house of like career and stuff is in Leo. Only a Leo would do all of that and then still be like king for decades. Next up, we've got Zuko's 11th house in Virgo. If you recall, I put his moon in Virgo so it is present in this house. Another luminary, the moon adds to the higher purpose feeling that the Cancer 9th house emulates. Virgo is the sign of daily action, the most detail-oriented sign of the zodiac. So with the moon in Virgo and the 11th house of community, friendships, and the collective, of course all Zuko wants to do is find a place where he belongs. And his nurturing nature contributes to his desire to make space for his community in the world, where space did not previously exist for them. And the Virgo essence will ensure that he can do so. As I said before, his moon sign is carrying a lot of weight for him, astrologically speaking. However, it's not just his moon sign in Virgo, I also put his north node in Virgo. For a long time, Zuko thought that his destiny, or his purpose, was to appease his father and restore his honor. But that's not true, at least not to the birth chart I specifically made up for him. His destiny, his purpose, has always been to find his friends, lifelong companions, and to create a new world where they can live and thrive in peace. That's a pretty noble goal, if you ask me. Lastly is Zuko's 12th house in Libra. It may seem like a cop-out, but I think Zuko and his peers have Libra Plutos. Their whole shtick is restoring balance to the world after a hundred years of war. Balance, justice, peace, beauty, that's all Libra, baby. They don't destroy the entire structure of the world and build it back up like Scorpio Pluto might. They redo the parts that were hurting people and it works for a bit. But for Zuko, it's in the 12th house, so for him, he is seeking to restore balance to his union with the spiritual. As I said earlier, Zuko's never been the most spiritually inclined person. He's really had to work at it. Once he reconnected with his spiritual side, though, the universe rewarded him greatly. He has dragons, he's lived past 90, he's really living it up in The Legend of Korra, seeing as he's lived out most of his accomplishments. Good for him. That's all I have for Zuko. Please leave a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this episode. And I'd love to hear feedback. This is my first ever podcast after being a very avid podcast consumer. So if there's anything you think that I can do better or different, let me know. Before I sign off, though, I'd like to promote my social media. I've put everything in a handy-dandy link tree in the show notes. That's linktr.ee slash celestialbinge, B-I-N-C-H. You can find all my socials, ways to tip me if you want, and all the other ways to listen to Astrofic there. I'm working on getting my Patreon up, but as of writing, it's still under review. Keep an eye out for that, though. My name is Celeste, and you've been listening to Astrofic. Tune in next time to find out why our favorite characters are like that. Bye!